watching this morning, but I can't really hear them very well. For many years, we just did it by ourselves. By I think it was about six, seven years ago, they partnered with us. I know it was like three chamber presidents that we've worked with over the past. We worked with Dan and Kaylee, and then Jack was last year, but um, it didn't happen last year because of COVID was so strong. So, um, but they have taken that over. Um, they asked our our permission to do that. We just felt like it was time to do that. So that's going to be on the 27th, Palm Sunday weekend, Saturday. They're going to actually have it at the hospital, Crete Med- Area Medical Center, kind of by that walking trail. I think it'll be a great location. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more community buy-in than in the past. So there's some good things there. They also, there's going to be some sign-up sheets. So if we would like to go there and help out, I think they would really appreciate our involvement and our help with that. So um, I was supposed to get an email. I haven't received that yet, but as soon as I get that, we'll have a sign-up. So if you want to be there for the day of event and just be there, I mean, we've been doing it. So we, it'd be great just to still be involved there. Amen? Be involved in our community. It's a great way to meet friends and uh, to hang out with people. So then on Easter Sunday, April 4th, Last year we didn't, we were just online, I think, right? That's all we did was last year was online. So what we're going to do this year is we're going to do the outdoor sunrise service. We're going to do it at the back of the church. That's going to be at 645. So sunrise is right at 7. We'll get out there at 645, see the sunrise. And so we're going to have some live worship. And we're going to have somebody that's going to speak and wake you up that morning, all right? And then after we're done with that, um, we'll have coffee and some muffins. All right, Karen? So that's, I'm giving you a commission there, all right? And Mary Ellen, all right, coffee. If we want to throw in some donuts there, maybe some of you are donut people, you know, so I love, oh, see, Grace likes donuts. All right, will you come if we have donuts, Grace? All right, all right, all right, Sarah, there you go. 645, we'll see you. There's going to be donuts. All right. And then we'll have our um, Easter celebration service at 10. So we're going to have a little bit of a break there, but you can have coffee, you can have muffins and donuts. But we're also going to be doing an egg hunt after the service. So um, there's some things that we need to set up ahead of time. Um, There will be a sign-up sheet next Sunday. And if I can include that in the digital bulletin, I'll maybe try and do that this week where you can sign up. So what they're going to do is on the side green space we have over here, they're going to put obstacles, okay? So I don't know. What are some of the things that they're going to bring? Straw bales and things like that so that it's just not a green field. We're going to have things out there. So you can bring those, set them up, and then they're going to put the eggs around those, and then the kids can go find them, and then you have to take home what you brought, okay? (laughs) All right? So um, there will be a little bit of setup for that, and then we're going to have a photo booth. So if you want to take your picture with your family, with your phone, and... uh, post something on Facebook um, that you went to a church on Easter and share that with people. That would be great. So that'll be happening. And remember, they're going to have a, like a, um, uh, a gift, not a gift table, but a prize table, right? So if the kids are inviting, and if they invite so many friends, they actually get tickets that they can use and spend at that prize table on that Sunday, on Easter Sunday. So All right, now some of you can dress up like maybe a kid. I don't know if you'll get away with it or not. Uh, Did you hear about the two younger ladies in Florida that dressed up in wigs and and tried to look old so they could get their their vaccines? Yeah, they did get caught, but yes. (laughs) They got a warning. They said, if you come back again, you will get arrested. All right, 
So that's what we have happening. So that will happen roughly at 11.30, the egg hunt and photo booth. And then we're going to send you home to be celebrate Easter with your, your friends and family. All right? Still not too late to get on the Bible engagement. The easiest way to sign up for that is on that digital bulletin. Is You can follow the link there. You just do it electronically, and then I get the, a notification on that. All right? Did I forget anything? All right. We're doing good. You guys are all looking good this morning. Did you know that? So, kids, I need your help this morning. Okay, you with me? All right, Grace is with me. Madeline, you with me? All right, okay. Gabriel, you with me? All right, thumbs up. All right, we are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. This will be our final message in the book of 1 Peter. All right, and so some of the dominant themes in 1 Peter have been um, just being strong in the midst of persecution and suffering. Okay, so he's writing to believers that have been scattered through what is modern-day Turkey, okay? Maybe some of these people were from the area of Jerusalem. We don't know exactly where they are from, but they've been scattered due to persecution. But they're still together. They're still meeting together. And he's writing, maybe they're house churches. They're meeting together um, in small groups, and he's writing to them to encourage them and it's not just this lovey-dovey message. I mean, he's really challenging them to be holy in the midst of this. He's challenging them in the area of humility. He's challenging them to be strong, to not be wimps. That If they suffer, they better be suffering for the cause of Christ, not because they're doing wrong, right? I mean, he, he, he's, not, you know, he's not going easy on them. And so he's challenging them to, to walk a good life. This last chapter is talking a lot about church leadership, Okay. So it, it's maybe kind of looking at me, but also to other pastors, or if you're involved in church leadership, um, it does, t- I think it's a message for all of us, but it specifically talks about church leadership and uh, what God has called us to do. So we're going to be uh, go through that whole chapter. It's not very long. It's like 14 verses. But before we jump in, let's... Um, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, dear God. We just thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray that you would just open up your word to us. It is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to penetrate our life, to change and transform us like nothing else, Lord. It is your living word. And Father, we pray that it speaks life to us today. Correction, direction, it challenges us. It makes us into who you've called us to be, Father. Let it be a word for us today, dear God. And we ask it in your name. Amen. All right, let's look at verses 1 through 4. 1 through 4. To the elders among you. So if you would dive in, you'll see that the Greek word there is presbyteros, okay? And so we use that in the English. Um, uh, presbyter is what we get out of that, all right? Um, an elder w- um, is what they translated, but a presbyter, okay? And so I serve as the pastor of Radiant Springs Church, but I also serve as the presbyter that oversees other pastors in our section, Lincoln, Milford, and Crete, all right? So I serve as what this word talks about. So I appeal to you elders among you. So this idea, elders, are these are seasoned leaders he's talking to, okay? They're ones that are not only leading their, their flock, but they're also leading other leaders, okay? And they've been doing it for a while. So that's who he's talking to here in those first four verses. I appeal to you, as a fellow elder. So Peter puts him on that same level that he is an elder, he's a presbyter, 
He is one that has walked with God. And as a witness of Christ's suffering. So we know that Peter was there. He was one of the twelve disciples, right? And he saw the crucifixion of Christ, but he also saw the resurrection. He was an eyewitness of those accounts, okay? So he's saying, hey, I'm a fellow elder with you, right? And I'm also a witness to the events concerning Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock. Okay, so there again, not another word used for what pastors, they are shepherds, right, um, over God's flock. And so I'm going to talk a little more about that um, here in the next couple verses. Shepherd the flock of God that is under your care. Watching over them, not because you must. You ever done something because you had to? You hear that thunder? Wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? All right, maybe that's the wind. <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, Holy Spirit blow, right? All right. Um, sometimes we do things because we have to, right? And Peter's saying, you know what? Don't just be a shepherd over the flock of God because you must, because you have to. Rather, do it because you are willing. Man, there's a huge difference, right? When you ask your kid to clean your room and they kind of, you know, drag their feet and complain. I know none of the kids here today do that. They are all top-notch kids, right? Yeah, right? Um, Do it because you're willing, okay? As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain. You know, I, you know, ministry is usually not known for you getting rich, okay? Um, Obviously, some maybe do. Um, but here he's talking about for dishonest gain. That is not the reason to go into ministry is for dishonest gain. And so there was some that were probably doing that, all right? Or, but you should be eager to serve. Wow. Did you know that's what deacon means? Deacon means one called to serve. All right? So be eager to serve. And that idea of being a servant, right? Isn't it? That kind of goes against what our culture believes, isn't it? The more power, the more leadership you get, the less you have to serve, right? Less you have to work. You, be, you, you want to get served. You're not going to be serving other people, right? You get other people to do your stuff. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says you still are there to serve. Okay? Not lording it over those that are entrusted to you. In other words, use your power, use your authority to lord it over people. But being examples to your flock. And when the chief shepherd comes, who's that referring to? Jesus. He is the good shepherd, isn't he? You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So here, I, I'm even thinking, Peter, if you look at John chapter 21, the last chapter of the book of John, Peter's reinstated. Why was he being reinstated? Being reinstated means that he had fallen out of good status with God, right? With Jesus. And he did. Why? He denied Christ three times, right? And and so he was still considered a disciple, but he was in that awkward place. He didn't know if God had forgiven him, what was happening. And so there's this encounter where um, they go out fishing. I think they were even concerning. I think Peter, Peter was looking at, maybe I'm going to go back to my fishing business. That's what he was, a fisherman, right? And so they went out fishing, and they it wasn't going well for them. They couldn't catch a fish, all right? And then all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus 
shows up on the shoreline and, and he says, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat. It's kind of like, why didn't we think of that, right? And they do and they catch all these fish and Peter realizes now it's Jesus so he doesn't even wait for the boat to get to shore. He jumps, jumps ship and swims to shore. But in the process there, Jesus forgives him but also then commissions him. And he says um, three different things. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Um, and so that idea of being a shepherd, Jesus communicates that to Peter of being a shepherd. And so that seems to really come through in what Peter is now passing on to other pastors to be shepherds of the flock of God, to do it in such a way that as a good shepherd, that you're taking care of the flock, you're not doing it for the wrong reasons, but you're willingly doing it and taking care of that. A good shepherd was entrusted making sure that sheep were nourished, they had the rest, protection from the wild beasts. In the same way, a presbyter, pastor, elder, they're given that responsibility to look over God's flock. Um, and here Peter's writing to seasoned leaders. And I think that's an important thing to note because sometimes the more experience you have, the more you are elevated in your leadership status, the harder it is to serve. And the temptation is to use your power to serve yourself instead of serving others. And you see that in the secular world very strong. And it is a temptation also within the church that the more you're elevated, the more it is easier to serve yourself instead of serving others. And so the, the point that Peter wants us to catch, I think, here is that we are to model servant leadership. Now, this is for seasoned leaders that, you know, if it's pointing any fingers, it's pointing at me, right? I'm a pastor. I'm a presbyter. It's pointing at me. But you know what? I think that it applies to all of us that we all are to whatever God has entrusted with us, to do it with a servant's heart. Amen? To do that. When I, uh, I've taken several missions trips to other countries, which I'm not going to name right now, but in some countries I've really noticed, and it's, it's, it's kind of glaring, that when people get elevated to certain uh, positions of leadership within the church, they really use that power to hold it over people. And uh, it's kind of sad. In fact, they'll even, young leaders, they'll even try to hold them down. Young potential leaders that have a lot of, uh, just a lot of giftings, they'll hold them down. They don't let them flourish. They don't let them bloom. They don't, because they're fearful of giving out that authority and power. It's kind of sad. Um, and so I've seen really examples. And I'm sure that happens in the United States as well. Sometimes the closer we are to it, the more we're colorblind, right? The more that we don't see the things that are right before us. Um, the temptation is there. So Peter calls us to model servant leadership. Number two, I need a little more interaction, folks. So uh, kids, are you there with me? All right. See, Grace is waving her program. All right. All right. Okay. Verses five through seven. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, okay, submit yourselves to your elders. Submit is a very common word in First Peter, right? We've covered that a lot. Submit yourselves to the elders, to those that are seasoned in leadership. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives favor, he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Verse 7, we quote this a lot, probably out of context, but we quote it a lot. Cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. So here now he's talking to the younger ones, the younger people that are maybe just starting off in leadership. They're starting out in ministry. 
he is talking to them and he's saying, you know what, you need to model humility as well and you need to respect the leadership that is above you. Wow. Submit yourselves to them. Verse 5, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Now, if you go into the Greek, what it's talking about is um, it's talking about something about putting on an apron. All right? And I think there again, Peter's going back to his experience with Jesus. Am I still in the camera view? Am I still there? Am I good? All right. Do you remember that day, that day that Jesus and the disciples had been on the road, dusty road, and they came in and they were ready to sit down and have have a meal, but there was something that hadn't been done yet. What was it? Nobody had washed the disciples' feet. None None of their feet had been washed, which was somebody should have got fired that night, right? All right? Because their feet didn't get washed. All right, and they, they traveled dirt roads, right? They had sandals. And so a common practice is when you came in from a journey, there was somebody's job, right, to wash the people's feet that came in, especially your guests' feet, right? Wow, and that rain really sounds good, doesn't it? All right? And, and so they would wash the feet, but you, probably who got stuck with the feet washing job, the foot washing job? Who do you think got stuck? The young and the gullible? (laughs) Probably the servant or whoever was lowest on the pole, right? If we want to use that terminology, right? Christopher, you're the man, right? Yeah. They would say, hey, Christopher, take care of those. Wash their feet. But that day, because Jesus had picked up on their conversation earlier that day, the disciples, James and John, and they they were arguing And they were talking, and what were they talking about? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? I'm better than you are. I'm going to sit at Jesus' right hand, right? And so they're having that conversation about who is the greatest, right? And Jesus was taking this in, so they get to the the house. Nobody had washed their feet. He takes off his outer garment. He takes the servant's towel. He wraps it around his waist. I'm going to see if I can do that here. We'll get it here. All right. Okay. He wrapped it around right. And then he got the basin of water. And he knelt down and he began to wash their feet, right? Began to wash their feet. Should I wash somebody's feet this morning? I don't have to. It's up to you guys. Do you want to see me wash somebody's feet? Yeah. Huh? Amy's feet? Oh, how many want me to wash Amy's feet? Oh, it has to be longer than that. It has to be louder than that, otherwise she's not going to come up. (laughs) All right, okay. (laughs) All right, okay, we're going to bring it over here. Okay, can you see me on, on the camera there? We good? Huh? He moved it over? All right. All right. And so he um, he knelt down, right? I didn't wear my matching socks. Oh, she didn't wear matching socks. All right. <laughs> and her feet are pretty clean, so I got it easy this morning, all right? Oh, you're going to, I'll go gently on you because it's not warm. 
All right, put your foot over it. All right, and so he would wash their feet. And he would get the dust off of them. All right, and dry them off. All right. Okay, there we go. You get the other foot. All right, and wiped it off. I'm used to this. Uh, <laughs> she does like foot massages. She gets a few of those. All right. I don't know if you want that anymore. I think that's good. But he washed not just one of them, but all of them, didn't he? And then Peter, wasn't it Peter? Peter said, what, what did he say to Jesus? No way, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, what? If I can't wash your feet, you have no place with me, right? Peter says, oh, just don't wash my feet, wash all of me. You know, Peter was kind of in these extremes, right? Right? Peter says, the feet are fine. <laughs> the feet are fine, but he washed, he washed Peter's feet. And that day he modeled for them what servant leadership is and how we are all t- are supposed to live our lives with humility and to serve one another. You know, if, if there ever comes a place in our life where we think that we can't serve somebody else, whether they're equal with us, above us, or below us, that's where we really have to look inside of ourselves and say, are we called to serve? Do we have that in our life? Amen? Amen? Well, praise God. All right. So the second point that we want to catch here is to humbly trust God with your advancement in life. Now, he was calling them to humility, but I add that part on there because that was the real issue there, right? Because if you are humble, if you are a servant, doesn't that mean you are risking your chance of being promoted and being elevated? Right? That was the concern there. They were, young leaders were concerned. They were anxious because they wanted to be elevated. They wanted to be promoted. But if they served and had, were humble, it, it feels like you're passing up that opportunity to promotion. And that's where Jesus says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and He will lift you up in His time, right? In His due time. Cast your anxiety. So we we can use that verse whenever we want to, whenever we're anxious. But the context here is anxiety over being promoted, being elevated, being used by God in a greater way. That's where the anxiety is. And so Peter says, hey, cast it upon God, your anxiety, your concerns about the future. Let Him elevate you. Let Him promote you in due time. Because He what? He cares for you. Amen? He cares for you. So humbly trust God with your advancement in life. So when we, um, we have three levels of, of credentialing in the assemblies of God, there's nothing biblical about that. That's just what we do. But the certified level, they get a, they get a towel. They get the towel of service, all right? And then eventually, I think ordained level, they get a Bible. I'm not sure what the license level is. No, Bible is license level. The mantle is uh, the ordained level, all right? So God cares about us, and we need to humbly trust Him with your advancement in life. There's one more verse. Gary read it earlier. He read it out of the NLT version. Um, 
And verse 4 and 5, though, really talk about something. This really came, um, I think I maybe was on a tree stand looking at this on my phone. I can do that. I can, I have uh, on my Bible app there, Logos. I can bring up the Greek, the Hebrew, and all that and do all sorts of word studies there. But if you go on the literal translation of Psalms 37, verse 5, it is pretty powerful. And so I'm going to go to the Young's literal translation. Chris has it there. It says, Delight yourself on Jehovah, and he will give thee the petitions of thy heart. Or I think the other translation, the desires of your heart. Verse 5, Roll on to Jehovah thy way. Trust upon him, and he worketh. Roll on. So the idea there of commit, that word that we translate commit, is the idea that we're taking this huge ball of anxiety and what we, what are we doing with it we're rolling it on to jehovah we're putting it on his shoulders because our shoulders our back are getting tired and we've been carrying it way too long and we're we aren't desired to carry that and we are to roll that on to him and trust him with it doesn't that sound cool doesn't that sound like a wow I, saw, I was watching a weightlifting competition, a strongman competition yesterday morning on ESPN2, I think it was. I was kind of just watching. And they were picking up these big metal balls, <laughs> lifting them up and setting them on there. And I'm thinking, man, that just makes my back hurt just looking at it, right? It just gave me sciatica all the way down my back. <clears throat> but they were doing it pretty well. But just think, that's what, that's what God is saying. He's saying, take those heavy things and cast put them upon him. Amen? He cares for us. He loves us. Number three, let's go to verses 8 through 14, kind of finish up the chapter. It says, be alert and sober-minded. So Peter has said this several times throughout First Peter. Your enemy, your adversary, the devil, Diablos, prowls around like a roaring lion. Okay, kids, let me hear a good roar. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. He goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Imagine that. Ah, just devour. Eat, eat everything that it sees. All right? We had kids like that every once in a while. They just ate everything that they ate. Pastor Andy, he lived with us. Yes. He had a good appetite. Resist the devil. Standing firm in the faith, so this is very common. We've, he's said this a few times. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the, the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So there were other persecution was pretty widespread at that point. And the God of all grace who has called you to eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And then he talks about, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying to this, the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, who sends her greetings, so does my Mark, my son Mark, John Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love, and then peace to all of you who are in Christ. So, Peter is talking about here now, he's talking to probably everyone he's writing to, be alert, be sober-minded, because the enemy, he's the accuser. That's what the Greek really brings across. He is the accuser of the brethren. 
What does that mean? He's the accuser. He's telling you, hey, you're a sinner. You're rotten. You're never going to be able to measure up to what God has called you to do. See, you, you committed your life to Christ and you, you sinned the next day. And you sinned the next minute. You'll never measure up. That's the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus is there saying, you know what? I died on the cross for it all, right? My, my blood has covered over your sin. And I've extended grace and mercy to you. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren, but Christ is the Savior. He's extended his life towards us. Devil means diabolos. He's the adversary. He's the slanderer. That's literally what it means. You know, in a roaring lion, why does it roar? It's kind of intimidating, isn't it? And a, do- a dog, you know, even our dog, he's as friendly as can be, but he'll bark at people that, he, he's, that he's afraid of, right? He just barks. Why? He's trying to intimidate people. He's scared. A roaring lion, he wants just to intimidate the body of Christ. Satan wants to put us into a fear mindset. But Peter reminds us that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Paul says that, right? And Peter is reiterating that, that God has called us to stand firm, to be steadfast, to not be fearful, to be courageous. And so that third point is be courageous in the face of adversity. Be courageous, right? Courage really stems from being confident in who God is and what God can do. Being confident that God is going to watch over us. Yeah, Satan may be out there. He may be roaring, right? And we kind of, you know, we back up. And I, you know what? I think we have to realize that in the body of Christ, to have fear doesn't mean that we're, we're bad. It doesn't mean that we're weak. It means that we're human. It means that we're human. To have fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts, it means we're human. But what God calls us to do is to put our confidence in Him, to trust Him. And that becomes the bedrock. That becomes the foundation for us to be courageous, even in the face of adversity. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It is being able to move ahead even in the midst of fear. Amen? I think you ask that in any warrior that's going out to battle, and they demonstrate courage. It doesn't mean that they don't have fears in there. It just means that they're controlling their fear they're overcoming their fear, they're confident, and they go forth into battle. Fear has the power to paralyze us or even destroy us. And so Peter calls us to stand confidently and firmly in Christ, even in the midst of Satan's intimidation, wars, or persecution. I'm going to have the musicians come. Peter calls us, I called the message, the humble serve. And I think there's something in here forever for all of us. I don't care what kind of, what level of leadership you are in. Throughout the book of Peter, he's called us to submit to one another, to be humble. Um, I think that's something that even Peter probably dealt with in his own life, okay? He's probably sharing out of his own experience. And I think there were times that Peter... Sometimes he got it right and sometimes he failed, God, right? There's times he got the, the star, you know, the sticker. Yeah, Peter, you got it right when he said, 
hey, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. And then a while later, then he denies that he knows Christ three times, right? Now we're taking your sticker away. (laughs) Some humility. Peter learned from Christ, but he also learned from his own experiences. Um, What leadership looks like, what servant leadership. To humble serve. God calls each believer to live in a way that is humble, that is servant-minded, to model servant leadership, to trust God with our advancement in life and our future plans. That can drive us crazy, right? We're worrying about the next thing instead of just casting it, rolling it upon Jehovah and trusting Him. And that we must be courageous in the face of adversity. Will there be difficulties in this world? Absolutely, folks, there will be. But we are to take heart because he has overcome the world, right? That's what Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the world. And he's on your side. He's with us. Amen? He is with us. Amen. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. If you don't know that hope in your own life, um, I'm going to encourage us all to pray together and then just a prayer blessing upon each of us here today. Father, um, we just come before you. Father, if we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, you, you call us to yourself. You extended your grace and your mercy towards us, Lord God. Even while we were yet sinners, you said that you died for us. You died for us, Lord. And you call us to yourself. So, Lord, whether we're listening online, we're here today, you call us to yourself. And if we make it the prayer of saying, Dear God, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Lord and my Savior. You have promised to forgive us of our sin, to place your spirit within us, Lord, to give us the gift of eternal life, but more important, to be our friend, to be our Savior to be the one that walks through us, with us through this life. And so, Lord God, um, if that's our prayer this morning, I believe that you hear it. I believe you extend your grace and your mercy to us. And, Lord God, I pray for the body of Christ here, the flock in Crete, Nebraska, that's come in this morning in rainy weather on a time change Sunday that is gathered in your name, Father. Uh, Father, you're speaking to us today. Lord God, if, if, if we need to grow in the area of serving and just a humble mindset, Lord God, help us in that. It, it goes really against our human nature, Lord God. There's a lot of things that fight against us wanting to yield our lives to you and to, to serve others, Lord. We want to feel important. We want to be promoted. We want to be recognized. Father, those are all human desires, but God, you call us to be the servant. You call us to be humble and to follow your example. And so, Lord God, I know that's a hard ask, but Lord God, that's what you call us to. You call us to be like yourself, to walk in your steps. And so, Lord God, I pray that You would work in our heart and our life, Lord God, if there's things that need to die, if there's things that need to change. Lord, it it can't happen just by our own willpower. It has to be you changing and transforming us. It has to be you uh, developing those virtues within our own life, Lord God, transforming us. 
the fruit of the Spirit taking root in our life, Lord. And so, Lord God, we just uh, pray that you would be working in our life because it is then we can be salt and light in our world. It is then that we can minister to the world around us when they see the attributes of Christ in our life, Lord. Uh, We give you the thanks, the praise, Lord God. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning and sing this course together? And uh, just let God speak to you. I'll be over here if you need prayer this morning. And uh, just worship the Lord together in our last few minutes here. Amen. Amen. That's kind of hard, isn't it, to trust God when we don't see Him working? Amen? It is. But that's what faith is all about, and that's when He calls us to trust Him and to roll on to Him the things that we're anxious about and to trust Him. I just sense that that is maybe uh, something that God is speaking to many of you this morning. So let's just raise our hands to him this morning. Father, just in a sign of, uh, of surrender, but also just, you know, some of, maybe some of the anxious thought, thoughts and the concerns that you have, whether it is health issues, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's financial issues, whether it is work, and the future plans. Lord God, we we take those things and we offer them to you, Lord God. We place them upon you. We commit them to you today, Lord God, because you care for us. You love us, Lord God. And Lord, even give us grace and the mercy that even when we don't understand how things are taking place and we can't see you working, Lord, give us the faith and the strength and the courage to trust you, to remain steadfast and strong. Oh, God, we just give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen? Amen. God is good. God is good. Hey, we um, thank you for being here today. Um, Sarah, are you going to be instructing people about the water bottles there? So, yep. Um, And so they can... um, if you have somebody that God placed on your heart, um, a neighbor, maybe you don't even know the neighbor, right? This is a good excuse to go over and meet your neighbors. If you don't know your neighbors, okay, I'm calling you to do it, all right? Give them a water bottle, invite them. And uh, hey, God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave. Uh, small groups tonight. Um, Anna and Matthew are doing, uh, taking for Andy and Lizzie tonight. So that is at 5 o'clock. And then ours, uh, one Amy and I have, is at 6 o'clock. All right? On Zoom. So, hey, God bless you. And greet each other as you leave.